Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 49. Again, these are coming fast and furious. This is actually the second one I'm doing today. We had the Patrick Flatley one up earlier today. I think I did one uh, two days ago and one the day before that. It's just podcast, podcast, podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross. Please find me on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. And I am joined by my Newsday teammates, Colin Stevenson, Neil Best. And this is in the wake of the Islanders' second loss to the Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals. This one, a much different one than game one. This one, a heartbreaker, a 2-1 loss on Nikita Kucherov's goal with 8.8 seconds left in a game that otherwise you might have said, for the most part, the Islanders might have been the better team. A a much different scene than (sighs) Monday night's 8-2 debacle in game one. But still, a loss is a loss. Boys, what, what do you think, Colin? <laughs> this team still have a chance in this series? No. Oh, okay. It's over. It's over. <laughs> Listen, this was their chance tonight. Um, they played wonderfully. They dominated. Their penalty kill was three for three. Um, and then, you know, Tampa Bay started. Of course, Tampa Bay plays with 11 forwards, and they lose one because Alex Kimloran takes it, gets the game misconduct for that hit from behind. And then they lose Braden Point, who is, you know, their best forward, or, you know, one of the two best forwards, if you want to call it that. And they still don't win. So, uh, yeah, I just I don't see a way out for them, no. Sorry. You know, there was so much there was so much talk after that um, route where we, we were asking players well, what's harder you know to get routed or to have a heartbreaker and you know you can look at it both ways but I think tonight kind of illustrates that sometimes getting routed is better because you can just put it aside which they did a really good job of doing tonight they put aside that route they showed they belong here they did a lot of things right but it didn't work I mean just, but you know Tampa, look at look at who scored Tampa's two goals. You know, two of the better players in the league, Edmund and Kucherov, who scored the Islanders' goal, Matt Martin. Good for him. He's done a great job scoring five goals in the playoffs, but they're still not getting what they need from, you know, their their stars. So um, they did almost everything right. Obviously, they didn't do the uh, power play right. Barlamoff was pretty good, but but like you said, you know, he's not as good as the other guy. And that's that sort of illustrates the, the larger problem here. The Islanders are a pretty good team, a lot of good players. And Tampa Bay is a better team with more good players. (laughs) Yeah, to me, I mean, yeah, Victor Hedman's shot. I mean, that was, you know, the Islanders played so well in the first period, a 13-4 shot advantage, and then one slips in uh, very late in the period off of, you know, really, I mean, you don't want to make sour grapes here because the Islanders have to execute. But to me, it certainly looked like, Devontae's icing should not have been an icing and the Islanders should not have been taken that defensive draw. And because Brock Nelson was out of the game going through concussion protocol at that point, it's Matthew Barzell taking the draw in the defensive zone and and he gets beat and and beat pretty cleanly by Barkley Goudreau who pulls it back to Victor Hedman who does take a, a shot from the left point through traffic 
but I, I really thought Varley needed to kind of cover the near post a little bit better with his pads there. So Var- Varley, you know, that's the thing. Uh, Varley played well, uh, you know, regardless of what you think of that goal. But, yeah, the other guy, the other guys just – you have to be – everything has to be just right to beat this team. And uh, through two games, obviously, it hasn't been. Yeah, no, I, I think I was – I was going to say the replays seem to show that Kevin Shattenkirk's stick uh, deflected that puck ever so sl- uh, slightly. Devontae's, uh, you know, it was kind of a, you know, just one thing built upon the other. Devontae's inches from the red line. But uh, Blake Coleman slides over and sort of forces Taze to get rid of that puck maybe a millisecond before he wanted to, and it was on the wrong side of the red line. But I, I really, you know, look and looking at that TV replay, it, it really seemed like the puck deflected off uh, Shattenkirk's stick. Obviously, the the Islanders bench thought so. That being said, you, you still got to do a better job on, on that faceoff there. But that was a much less egregious missed call than the one on Brock Nelson getting cross-checked in the back of the head. When, when you, you know, I, I think if the fans are watching that closer and the TV announcers are watching that closer, knowing what's going on with Nelson, you think maybe the officials would catch that one. Because that, the thing with Shattenkirk, yeah, he probably got a piece of it. It was hard to tell. It was not hard to tell that Brock Nelson got cross-checked in the back of the head after he came back from concussion protocol. Yeah, no, and, and Barry Trotz, you know, said that he felt that was a little bit of a, a, a targeting incident because he, you know, the lightning, obviously, I mean, it was no secret. You see a guy down on the ice holding his head and then immediately go off to the room. You know, he's going to go through concussion protocol. Um, he cuts back, but the, the lightning do know he's hurting and, and they went right after him. And, and that was... Like uh, like you said, I thought an egregious missed call. However, it, it still comes down to me the fact that the Islanders with a one nothing lead cannot convert on a five-minute power play, and then they can't convert. They can't even get a shot on net uh, for 38 seconds of a five-on-three and then can't convert on the remainder of the five-on-four. And it was just too much looking for the perfect pass instead of looking to get the puck uh, to the net, and Barry uh, Trotz addressed that after the game. I think, Colin, you wrote about that. What, what do you see on the power play? How can it get better? You know, you talk about them trying to make the perfect pass, and that's when a goalie gets in your head because that, you know, that's where you start thinking, well, I got to do something extra special to beat this guy because, you know, the standard, you know, shot from the point's not going to do it. Um, and so ultimately, yeah, they have now they now have a Vasilevsky problem, and it's a different problem than the Carter Hart problem because while Carter Hart made many more or more spectacular saves than than does Vasilevsky, Vasilevsky makes a lot of what seems to be routine saves, but he makes all of them. And and so far, I mean, we're two games into the series, and he he could get beat by a bad goal. I suppose it's possible, but he certainly hasn't been yet. I mean, and and that's the difference, you know, with a guy that you know, you're gonna have to come strong to beat this guy. And so when 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 that's in the back of your mind, you do try and make that extra pass. You do try and go back door and, <laughs> instead of just like putting it on the net and. And that's kind of what they suffered from, uh, I, you know, because they did, you know, t- to be fair to them, um, you know, I looked at the stats after the game. They had 13 shots on the power play. And I, I, I remember watching 
several of those power plays and even looking at the NHL's uh, play-by-play running. Um, and a lot of shots got blocked too. So, I mean, they did, they did launch a lot of shots towards his general vicinity. He's just really, really difficult to beat. And I think, you know, when you have that, then, you know, it, it kind of, you know, it puts the Islanders in a position where they, they, you know, they know they can't just beat this guy with a routine shot. They've got to do something special. And that, and that only makes the job more difficult, right? That, that that's goes back to, you know, uh, what was it now? 14 podcasts ago, episodes ago, when we were previewing this series. And, I, I you know, we all took the players. And I, I took Anders Lee for that reason. You know, he's going to have to be in front and disrupting things. And, and Anders did have a, a few chances at the net, couldn't pe- put him past, but the, the Islanders certainly need more of that. One thing I was th- one thing that I was thinking about when they're passing the puck around endlessly in these power plays is you, you know, you don't have the fans getting angst, angst <laughs> and yelling at them. To <laughs> so that's like this weird, different dynamic without the fans is that whole thing that happens during power plays where you're yelling, shoot the puck. Now, I'm not saying players necessarily listen to the fans, but – I don't know. Maybe maybe they're not hearing that, so they're less likely to shoot. I don't know. You know, I, I could just imagine the players are hearing Barry Trotz and Lane Lambert and John Gruden on the bench screaming, shoot, shoot, you know, <laughs> please shoot. But I, I want to look forward to game three because, you know, obviously for the Islanders, there's nothing they can do now about game two. They, they approach game three in a, you know, in a three in a two zero hole, and and Matty Martin had talked before this game that you know the Islanders really wanted to get a split and, and to make this a best of five. Well, now they need to win four or five against the Lightning team that you know has lost two games through this whole postseason run. It, it seems like a tall order. What did you like about the Islanders' game tonight, and what do you expect? They, they can do even better in, in game three. Well, I like very much that they, they didn't give up a lot of shots on goal. Right. Um, and uh, they, you know, they had those three, three penalty kill opportunities and, and they killed them all and, and did it, you know, in, in, I don't want to say dominating, uh, you know, I might've written the word dominating fashion, but you know, that's, that's probably not the right word for a penalty kill, but they did it. And, you know, it was easy for them. It seemed like, um, so, so they can lock it down at the back end. And if they get the kind of goaltending that they got tonight, which was not spectacular, but very good, um, they, they should be okay. The other thing to, to, to consider, fellows, is um, Alex Killorn will be suspended for, for the game, right? As, you know, Ryan Reeves was suspended for, you yeah. know, he had a five in a game and he was suspended for the next game. So Killorn will be out. And uh, we don't know what's going to go on with Braden Point. So, you know, if, uh, you know, he obviously had to leave in the second period. I don't know what it is or what the problem was. And John, uh, Coop, John Cooper had no update after the game. So. Right. No, you wouldn't expect him to. And, and, if, and if he is in, indeed unfit to play, then, you know, then the Islanders should be, I don't want to say they have an advantage, but, you know, that's, that, that's obviously, a, you know, a problem for Tampa Bay that, that will work in the Islanders' favor. Game three lineup, uh, and I, I thought game two was interesting in a, in a couple of different ways. One, uh, Cal Clutterbuck was able to play after exiting game one, and that was a very good sign for the Islanders, especially after he didn't skate on Tuesday. But then Barry pulls out Andrew Ladd for his first game with the He only played four regular season games with the Islanders as he was in, 
you know, in Bridgeport in the AHL most of the season, and he's coming off the two knee surgeries, one on each knee uh, from last season, and it was his first NHL playoff game since 2016 when he was with Chicago. You know, he, he went on the ice for the for the winning goal, for Kucherov's goal. I, I don't, you know, obviously that was a defensive scramble and the Islanders were just, you know, it seemed like there were missed assignments all over the ice on, on, on that sequence. But do you, do you expect to see Ladd back in the lineup? And also, do you expect to see Leo Komarov back in the lineup? Because I, I thought he was a real good addition, if not necessarily to J.G. Pajot's line, which was not all that dangerous, I didn't think, but he was certainly a big addition to the penalty kill. I mean, obviously, Barry was playing some kind of hunch with Ladd, and, and it's not – which was interesting and sort of cool, and it would have been cooler if, you know, he scored a goal or something. But I, I'm not sure he would go back to that. Not that Ladd was terrible or anything, but, I mean, it was sort of I, – I, to me, it was just kind of a, you know, a little hunchy, hunch gamble kind of thing that he won't necessarily stick with. It was weird, though, to see uh, on the last play, the first one, you know, Andy Green turns the puck over to lead to the winning goal, and Lad's there, and Leo's there, and I'm like, you know, it's just uh, it's just weird seeing them all on the ice for the winning goal. But um, I don't think I'll go back to Lad, but I thought it was worth a try. I mean, obviously, Lad knows what he's doing, but yeah. it was strange. Yeah, I, yeah I, but I, he, he, the, he had the fourth line on, on out on the shift before, so – no, yeah, no, I, I know. I mean, and obviously, they, they, you know, they, they, it's not just paying lip service when they say they run four lines because you see their fourth line out there in these situations where most teams it just wouldn't happen. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not blaming them for having that third line out there on the one goal. It was just, it was just weird because Andrew Ladd hasn't played in forever, and there he is standing there while the winning goal is being scored. It was a, it was just strange. Yeah, yeah, no, I. I mean, I think I've said this before to you guys, but I, I, I think you need Derek Broussard on J.G. Pajot's line just to give that line a little bit of a dangerous edge when it gets into the offensive zone. And it, or at least I think it gives it more speed or, or J.G. A more of an option, you know, to, to really fly up the ice. And uh, I, I expect to see Derek uh, Broussard back in the lineup for, for game three. Um Barry had talked about, you know, contemplating a few different uh, lineup changes. Would you guys expect anything different on defense after, you know, like Colin said, they really did limit Tampa Bay's chances. But, you know, uh, you still have Johnny Boychuk on the bench who hasn't played, you know, since game one against the Panthers. And, uh, you know, at any point you see him coming in. I mean, to me, it's kind of like the lad thing, except, uh, you know, a little bit less strange than the lad thing. If he goes to Boychuk, it, it would be just kind of a hunch just to kind of change things up. And, you know, he's a character, you know, he's kind of a character guy and just throw him out there and see if, uh, you know, you can get something. That, so, yeah, I don't, I think that would, I think that would make sense, actually. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'd be, I would, I would be in favor of that as well. I mean, I, I, um, you know, you know, I'm a big, uh, Andy Green fan, but uh, you know, he, he, as you as you said, Neil, he, he's the one that turned the puck over on on that last on on that last goal, and then uh, I think he had a, you know, he took two penalties in in game one, and the second of which was really strange, you know, swinging the stick around, hitting a guy on the face shield or whatever. But uh, so uh, you know, I think if you're gonna do it, I think now might be the time to do it if you want to get Boychuk back in there. 
And I totally agree with you about Broussard. I mean, you know, they've scored three goals in two games, and obviously this team they're playing can score, you know, a lot. So uh, you need all the firepower you can get. Let me throw this one out to you, and, you know, you, you guys can, you know, Neil answer first and then Colin answer, but do you see Barry switching up his top two lines at all to, to try and get a different mix? The, the Brock Nelson... Anthony Beauvillier, Josh Bailey line, you know, has been very good through most of the postseason. And Matthew Barzell, I thought, you know, is really controlling play, you know, and, and controlling play in the offensive zone and getting the puck up ice when he when when he's on the ice. But, uh, you know, again, Jordan Everly pushes one wide, uh, you know, good look at the crease. And uh, uh, Josh Bailey shovels one over – when he has an open look at the net, those are both early in the second period when it's still 1-1, could have been a different game. Uh, Neil, do you see Barry maybe switching up his top six forwards in any fashion? Yeah, you know, again, I, at this point, I have nothing against trying something like that. Uh, you know, I don't know if it'll make a difference, but I, I mean, you know, he's down to nothing and you might just look for a spark there because, yeah, there's too many – I mean, I know Everly scored in game one after I had picked him as my uh, guy to uh, make a difference, but he's still having an incredible number of chances just not get converted. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would be fine. I don't know if he'll do it, but I, I mean, he's been listening to me about the goalies uh, the last two times. I he, He's reading Newstead and deciding who to start in goalie goal because of my column. So maybe I should say, yeah, change up the puppy lines. <laughs> It'll give us something to write about for the early edition Friday night. So, yeah, mix it up. <laughs> Colin, if he mixes it up, how if you're Barry Trotz and Neil is saying you're going to mix it up, how do you mix it up? I'd probably put Pajot in Everly's spot. Huh. So I would put him on the wing with Barzal. Um, and then I would bring in Koivula to play in Pajot's spot on the third line. And then the question then becomes, what do you do? Then you probably drop Everly down to the third line um, with Koivula. And then I would leave out uh, Komarov, I guess. Um, that, that's, that's what I would do. I mean, if you really want to mix it up, I mean, you could switch. I mean, you know, could, you know, Everly's a right wing. I mean, you want to play Bailey with with Barzal. Well, Bailey's kind of a playmaker, and Barzal's a playmaker. So, I mean, I think you want to finish her up there. So that I, I would. That's what I would do. That's it's radical, obviously, but you're down to nothing. I mean, it's time for you know, and you know what I like to do: swing for the fences. So <laughs> keep, you know, let's let's swinging, do that. <laughs> keep swinging, keep swinging. No, so that I would do something radical like that. Um, you know, I, I would I would take out. I would take out Komarov because, again, you, you do need to score some goals. Uh, I would put Brassard back in because you do need to score some goals. Um, and I would, you know, put put a line together of Brassard or maybe move Brassard to the middle. And and, and um, maybe that's the way to go. You know, you move Brassard to the middle, put Komarov on the wing and, and Eberle on the other wing. But I would put Pajot up there on the first line in, in Eberle's spot. Trade a couple of draft picks for Panarin. Is he like? Can they get him for the next game? He doesn't want to play for you. Forget oh, about it. Worst <laughs> subject for Islander fans. Okay, yeah, that, that Panarin would really help right now if they could just swing a trade. 
the, the, I'm the sorry. Sound. I'm now going to really tick off the island. Yeah, that's kind of mean. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the sound you just heard was everyone pushing the stop button on the left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, since I asked you to, I, I will now ask myself. So, yeah, what would you, how do? Would you How would you do it? And uh, I might stay within the top six, but I might put Bo back with Barzell and, and see what you get from those guys. You know, maybe. Uh, you know, Bo Barzell, you know, that would be a very interesting line if you could put Bo Barzell and Pajot. It, it would sort of take away from this four-line mentality that the team has. Right. I don't think, you know, although Barry puts in Andrew Ladd today, I don't think Barry is going to go to Otto Koivula in this spot with all of, you know, I think, what is it, 11 or 12 games of, NHL regular season experience. I, I don't think he's going that. Well, you know what? Yeah, that, 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 maybe that's off the board a little bit. But basically what I was trying to do was, was get Pajot up on that first line. So maybe the way to do it is to put Broussard back in the middle and then put somebody else on that left wing. Yeah, and I, I think I might put Lee with, with Brock Nelson and, and, and Bailey um, and, and see what happens there. And, and I agree. If you, if you bring Pajot up, you could move Brass to the middle, um, which he has not been as good as he has been in the middle uh, uh, on the wing. But you could try Brass in the middle and maybe pair him with Jordan Eberle. And I wouldn't even be opposed to having Andrew Ladd on that left wing, uh, just for the experience he has. And you figure, you know, he knocks the rust out with this game. Maybe you go back to him because he's better in the second game. I actually thought he was uh, he was decent tonight. I you know yeah. that last shift you know I don't know what happened and who did what or who didn't do what they were supposed to do, but but I thought uh, throughout the game I thought Lad Lad was uh, was not a bad player at all, and I, I would not uh, you know would not be mad at Barry if he if he uh, if he played Lad again. No, no, no. I, and, and but my my point being, he he probably would be better in his second game after you know after not playing for so long so but you know Barry's the coach and uh you know we'll, we'll see he might he might very well look at it as you know they played almost exactly the game they wanted to play and and you know Barry after wins doesn't usually change the lineup he might look at this one and say I'm just gonna go with this because we got the effort with this group that we were looking for. So, you know, I, I think you could go one of two ways. Well, listen, we will see. Game three is on Friday night. Um, and we'll be back with another Island Ice podcast after game three. My thanks to Neil Best. Neil, you want to say good night to everyone or good morning? Uh, good night, everyone, and good morning. And Colin? Ladies and gentlemen, all the ships at sea. Uh, tough night tonight for the Islanders, but, uh, you know, they live to fight another day. So we'll, we'll be back at you in a couple of days. Well, listen, if, if you're looking to read Neil and Collins and, and my coverage of the Islanders, you can always go to newsday.com backslash sports. Uh, there's an Islanders page. You will find anything the three of us are writing right there. You will also find all the back episodes and they're piling up of Island Ice. Uh, like I said, this is episode 49. Episode 48 was kind of a, a bonus one, uh, my conversation with Pat Flatley. 
uh, talking about the similarities between the 93 team that got to the conference finals and this team. Um, and then if you go back, you got the, uh, the, the series preview, which you can still listen to, which is still relevant. And, uh, you know, there's the review of game one. And we're, we're going to be bringing these to you as long as this Islanders postseason run goes on. But as I wrote in Newsday, uh, game three is a 99.9% must win for the Islanders. Also, you can uh, find this podcast wherever, wherever fine podcasts are, are found. And uh, until we talk to you again, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Andrew Gross. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. You can find Neil on Twitter at sportswatch. You can find Colin at Colin S. Newsday. And until the next time, happy hockey, everybody.